Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're in the Beatitudes, where Jesus' Sermon on the Mount pronounces a series of blessings that belong to all Christians. That means we're in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to spend the week on verse 5. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, some English translations use the word meek instead of gentle. It's a simple enough statement, but what does it really mean? Who are the gentle or the meek? Are you one of them? Is the blessing yours? Then what exactly does it mean to inherit the earth? Well, we're going to tackle each of the Beatitudes just like this, one at a time for the next several weeks. Pastor Jim will unpack each of these pronouncements of blessing so that we clearly understand who they apply to and what they mean. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Victorious Meekness. Well, come back with me to Matthew chapter 5 the first of the three chapters in your New Testament, which we know of as the Sermon on the Mount. As we wade slowly and relentlessly into this great sermon from the lips of Jesus, and we're starting out one beatitude at a time, trust me, we'll pick up speed as we go along here, I wanted you to keep in mind that this wasn't delivered in a sermon. And what is in your Bible is probably not a transcript of the sermon. It is the inspired um, uh, record of the sermon that Matthew was given to preserve for us. I think it's quite likely that Jesus made a big deal about this day. I think he probably announced in the day or days prior to this, that he was going to do something and say something significant on that day. We know that because it stands out. Uh, It was at the height of his popularity during his year and a half in Galilee. Even on a routine day in Galilee, there would have been large crowds present. But on this day, We know that Jesus spent the entire night before this in prayer. And the first thing we know that he did in the public eye on that day is that he announced the names of the 12 disciples whom he had chosen to be his apostles. I think he probably told people that that was coming. Then this sermon, which is in condensed form, in our Bibles, as Matthew was guided to write it down, was delivered to these huge crowds. They were real people in a real place. Jesus knew all about them. He knew what was on their minds. He knew that the vast majority of them were without genuine saving faith, uh, even though Obviously, they loved being around him. They followed him all over, even though they, they, they loved seeing the miracles. They found his words uh, compelling, and uh, they kept coming and coming. Jesus also knew 
about all the major factions within the, the culture of the Judaism of his day. I reminded you of them as we began this series, and we know that there were at least four identifiable sort of um, streams of thinking within the Judaism of that day, and we know that at least three of those four were represented in the crowd that day when he spoke these words. We already heard of two of them in our reading in Acts chapter 23. One is the Sadducees. They were very powerful in the, the politics of Israel, if you will. Israel was not a political entity. They were under Rome, but they were allowed a certain amount of autonomy as long as they didn't uh, upset Rome and they paid their taxes. And the Sadducees had a, a lot of control there. They were the aristocratic ones. They were the theological liberals. Remember, as we read Acts 23, they don't believe in resurrection. They don't believe there is any such thing as a spirit. They don't believe that there are any such things as angels. They, they rejected fundamental truths, but they controlled the priesthood. And they were probably the, the dominant influence on the Sanhedrin, that leading group among the Jews. Well, they hated Jesus because he was a threat. He was a threat to their powerful positions. He was a threat to their livelihood because they derived a lot of income from the corrupt activities where they basically sold franchises for people to rip off uh, uh, those who came to Jerusalem for major national feasts. They wanted a king. They wanted a Messiah, but they wanted a king who was aristocratic like them, who came from, uh, from their ranks and would validate everything they believed. Well, there were also the, the Essenes. They had little or nothing to do with Jesus because, well, they had little or nothing to do with anybody except their own little group. They secluded themselves and insulated themselves from daily life. They regarded spirituality. The highest level of spirituality was to be total separation, not in the sense of holiness, which is just separation from sin, they separated from regular people, separated from society. They lived in their own um, compounds, if you will. That's probably what they would be called today, outside of town. If they were looking for a king, it was probably someone with a strong mystical bent who would come and validate their ideas. Well, there were also the the zealots, they were the most political of these groups. The zealots were excited because they wanted a king who would overthrow Rome's oppression. They wanted to make Jesus king, and they would have wanted to establish him as a political and, and, and military hero. So they got really excited about Jesus, but they were bitterly disappointed when, in fact, Jesus went to the cross instead of going directly to the throne. Oh, it just grated on them when Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, because their idea, the only thing they wanted to render to Caesar was a sword. They wanted a conqueror who would lead a rebellion. Then there are the Pharisees. The Pharisees... Um, were not huge in numbers. I've even heard it said that there were maybe only 600 official members of the Pharisees' party in Jesus' day. I don't know where that number comes from, but 
while there may not have been a, a large number of card-carrying Pharisees with name badges on, uh, they had the broadest influence because the Pharisees dominated the training of the rabbis and they held nearly total control over what was taught week by week in the synagogues. So they had the most influence, the most time on the most people. And if you were to be uh, holding your clipboard and taking um, uh, a poll as people arrived as the gathering was coming about for the Sermon on the Mount, if you asked anyone in the crowd to say to, to answer the question, well, who, who among all of you here is the most spiritually mature? Where can I find those people? They would probably direct you to the nearest Pharisee. Well, the Pharisees wanted a king who would validate them, would validate them for their zeal. Theologically, they were on the opposite end of the spectrum from the Sadducees. They not only believed everything that the Bible said, they added hundreds more rules and regulations to what was in the Old Testament. And they wanted a king who would validate their zeal for keeping all of the minutiae of the spiritual rules and regulations that they came up with. So, it's not a surprise that when Jesus was talking about who really is going to be part of the kingdom of heaven, it was the Pharisees who were the primary targets of this sermon. Now, it's for all men and women in all nations, all, all, um, all cultures, all societies, all places in all time. But the primary targets were the Pharisees. It was a bombshell to this crowd when Jesus stated the theme of this sermon. Now, I'm going to let you jump ahead. You can let your eyes go all the way down the page to chapter 5, verse 17. The introduction to this sermon is the Beatitudes. And then, like any good sermon, he says what he's going to say, then he says it, then he summarizes it, gives the invitation, and moves on. Here's what Jesus says this sermon is all about. Matthew 5, starting at verse 17. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That, my friends, is a zinger. The Pharisees would have said, Amen, about not abolishing the law and the prophets. They just said, sick them, let those Sadducees have it, boy. They're just knocking things out of your word like crazy. They would have said, amen, about fulfilling them and say, oh, and we can help you with that. They would have said, amen, about not missing the smallest letter or stroke of it. When Jesus said, whoever keeps and teaches them, he'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. They would have said, amen, 
And their name tags would have been modified the next day. Pharisee, great in the kingdom of heaven, or so they thought. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.